Hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to be interviewing a friend of mine and a very astute real estate entrepreneur, Mr. Corey McKinnon. How are you doing today, Corey? Doing excellent, Dave. How about you? I'm fantastic. So, Corey has a very, very interesting background. He comes from the background of being a professional athlete, a national level athlete, as well as a corporate guy. And through real estate investing, he was able to get out of the rat race within seven years, thanks to real estate. So now he is a full-time real estate entrepreneur. So Corey, one of the things I know about you is that because of your athletic background and the level that you're competing at, you really had to dial things in mentally when it came to your sport. So how important is that dialing stuff in mentally for real estate and real estate investors? Well, I think proper mindset, strong mindset is, is really important everywhere. And, you know, it's not easy. You know, this is a team sport being a real estate investor. So it's just a different form of, of excellence. But, you know, I find it's very important because of, you know, your thoughts really do become things. And if you're, if you're having weak thoughts and, you know, poor inputs and you've surrounded yourself with the wrong types of people that aren't going to fill you up and love, support and encourage you you know, it can be demoralizing really, right? So you've got to get that straight first before you start deciding to take on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of debt and, you know, managing team members and, and building your power team and everything else. So it's, I find it's the most important thing. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, you know, don't pass go until you get the mindset piece figured out. All right. So, I mean, we've all heard about mindset and having a good mindset and all this kind of stuff. What does that mean to you? Well, it can mean a lot. And I know we've only got so much time here on, on this podcast. And first of all, thank you for having me on. But, you know, it could be as, as simple as, well, you know, being really clear on your why. So making sure that you, that you know what your why is. And when I work with people on their why, lots of times people, their first initial thoughts of like why they are doing something is that they're subconscious, you know, or sorry, they're, they're conscious mind thoughts. So if you think of your brain, uh, put, a, put a, you know, cut it in half. A lot of the things that first come out are conscious thoughts, but you really have to go deep enough and dig and dig and do this maybe in the morning or in the evening when your brain is just at a different wavelength and really just keep asking yourself like, you know, why am I, am I signing up to do this? Because as, as we know, I mean, I like the benefits of real estate and I like being an entrepreneur, but there's lots of things about real estate that nobody really likes, right? So you have to make sure that you're prepared and you have that why that's, because when you have your why and when that's really clear, then you're being pulled instead of having to push yourself, right? Like you, you can tap into your passion and your mission in life and it's, it's pulling you instead of having you to like constantly, you know, cause that's draining when you have to push yourself to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, or you don't know why you're doing them, you're questioning yourself. All right. And I know a lot of us have heard this whole dial in, find your why you kind of touched on it there, you know, ask yourself either early in the morning or late at night when you've got a little bit of quiet time, why am I doing this? What are we looking for? I mean, because most people, if they haven't done this exercise, they're thinking, well, I, I want to make a lot of money. Why else? Why, why, why else would I be doing, dealing with tenants and toilets and you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in debt? Why else would I be doing it, Corey? So give me an example of either yourself or somebody you know, how they really found their why, if you don't mind. 
For sure. And uh, I was literally just sitting down with somebody yesterday. We're working through this and I, I, I had to do the exercise a few times myself because, you know, when I, when I saw the results of it the first time, I think there were still conscious thoughts. I didn't really tap into the subconscious. And I mean, people can Google it. It's, it's like seven levels deep uh, reasonings of, of why you're doing something. But, you know, lots of times it's going to tap into somebody's uh, lots of times for males. It has to do with freedom, you know, purpose, mission, legacy, family. Things of that nature where if, if you were faced with with what ends up coming down in the very, very bottom line, you know, if it doesn't get you emotional, if it doesn't, you know, feel like you are, you know, you would rather do this than than live on this earth, you know, like if you had a gun to your head, you know, and that was the answer and someone was saying, look, you know, it's either this or you die, like what, what's it going to be, right? It has to get so deep that, and some people, like, who's kidding you? They don't teach us in school. We're not asked to tap into our mission in life or full potential in life. So sometimes it's an exercise that needs to be facilitated with somebody else. But it's one of those things where people can do it themselves and they might need to give it a few different stabs. But it's I find it's very important in life to know why you're here on earth and what your mission is. If you're clear on your mission, that's when the passion can flow. And that's when you'll you'll move mountains and hey, deal with the tenants and the toilets and and a hundred realtors or whatever it might be to to make sure that you can um, be set up enough financially so that you can make all those things happen, right? Because it's real estate's really a means to end. And as you know, it gives you the opportunity to, to be more, have more and do more for society. So. Very good. All right. So Corey, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into real estate investing in the first place? Sure. So I was, I guess I was exposed to it a little bit as, as a young, as a young kid, we actually lived in a duplex at the end of the school field where I went to school. And right across the street from my house was a new subdivision where all the uppy up kids were getting getting their nicer homes. So I always knew there was a little old lady up in the attic and she paid her $35 or $50 a month back in the 80s. And it wasn't very, it was still under market rents back then, but it was literally grandfathered into the deal of the house. Like my dad could not evict her. So I was exposed to it at a young age. I mean, we only I can only remember that house for about four or five years of my, of my first years. And my dad dabbled in it a little bit, never did it on a huge scale. And I think just like, uh, you know, I also had a friend in, in grade school and his dad was a realtor. So I guess I was exposed to it in a few different ways. I, I got to be an entrepreneur at a young age too. I had, you know, paper roots and was always doing side hustles when I was younger. Probably the biggest gateway drug was reading Wealthy Barber because he's actually from the area that I live in, you know, Sarnia, Ontario. David Chilton's actually from Point Edward, which is, they pretty much touch each other. And then when Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad came out, I mean, it just, it, it's a page turner. It made a lot, made a lot of sense to me. I'm a math person. I like math. And when you see the numbers of real estate, I was just like, wow, when I can buy an asset, I only need to have this much money or sometimes no money in the deal. And I get to control this asset. I mean, tell me any other investment. I mean, Hey, the, the stock market, I've, I've dabbled in the stock market too. I just don't like, the, you know, that there's not as much control there. I can buy a piece of real estate in an up market, down market, sideways market, and still have a huge amount of influence on the the value and the sale price of that asset. So I like that there's the control piece. And so I guess I was exposed by some pretty popular means, but I was also exposed to it at a, at a young age, you know, being opportunistic and being entrepreneurial at a, at a young age and, and learning a little bit from my dad. So cool. And tell us a little bit about your sports background, because that's kind of interesting, too. Sure. So I think, you know, as as young men, we all kind of want to test our strength or whatever. And I remember it was grade seven or grade eight and being in my friend's basement and there was 80 or 90 pounds on the on the barbell and we're, we're all trying to lift this and we had no idea what we're doing. Frankly, we probably could have hurt ourselves. But, you know, that it was it's funny because that gave me some context 
And then a year later, in between the uh, grade eight and grade nine, I had a uh, summer job and it was corn tassels. So we're pulling the tassels out of these corn, uh, these corn stalks so they wouldn't cross pollinate. But I met a fellow on the bus who, you know, seemed to be pretty strong and he was probably about three or four years older than me. And, and I'm like, well, what do you do? Do you do any sports? And he's like, yeah, I actually do weightlifting. It, it is actually a sport, you know? And that was right around the time of the 88 Olympics. And that's when there was some world, lots of world records being broken back then probably with the help of performance enhancing drugs, but that's back when the whole Ben Johnson scandal was going on. But, you know, I just said, well, where do you do this thing? And he said, well, it's in the, go in the back door of this high school. That's where you can go check it out. And the coolest thing there was that we actually got to work with a former two-time Olympian, Bob Sandeby, and, you know, got to learn things the proper way. And, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't lifting a whole lot of weight. I can still remember it was 40 kilos. I was practicing with 40 kilos. Man, my back was sore and having to keep the right posture and everything like that. But again, it's, you know, you've probably read the book, you know, talent's overrated. I find that sometimes the, the people that don't have the talent, they have to work and work and work for it the most or the ones that succeed the most because they've, they've had to actually work to earn it. So I guess that was me. I was never super blessed. I've even had my DNA genetics tested and it shows that I could actually be sort of an endurance athlete or a power athlete, but I literally took being a power athlete as far as I could physically take it. Definitely national level. I didn't quite get to the world level. I did try out for Olympic trials, Commonwealth trials, Pan Am trials. So top three in Canada, national medalist, did it for about 13 years. Very nice. Very good. All right. So what is it when it comes back to real estate, when it comes to real estate investing, what do you focus on primarily, Corey? I've, I've always been into multifamily. So my first deal was a sixplex. That was my first deal that I ever did. And I liked it because I could actually house hack in that first deal. And from there, I just started looking for more similar things, you know, triplexes, duplexes, did get into some single family homes, but it's mostly it's multis. And now we're getting into bigger, bigger multis. I'm going to be buying into a 14 unit building this summer. And we're actually constructing a 28, 28, 29 unit conversion from a church now. So multifamily, I love multifamily because it's more like a business, right? You can actually change that business. It's valued by the banks based on the rent roll and the expenses. So I, I like that you have a little more control. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, Corey, what are some of the bigger mistakes you see? Because I, I know you're involved in a numerous groups and you're a, a voracious reader, voracious learner, taking courses all over the place, all that kind of good stuff. You're a full-time real estate entrepreneur right now. What are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing newbie or even just regular other investors making in real estate? Sure, I guess there's a few of them. You know, that's a great question. Maybe the first mistake is that people get analysis by paralysis and they just, they sit on the sidelines way too long. And, you know, you can't learn a sport by playing, by sitting on the sidelines, either reading a book or watching YouTube. Like you got to get out there and play the game on the field. So sometimes it's over, over analysis, just people that never, never will pull the trigger on anything. Then you get people that are trigger happy and they just fire, 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 ready aim, you know, because they have no, they have no benchmarks. They have no guiding principles that they're going to use as filters before they actually make an offer. And maybe, yeah, just like being so eager to do a deal that they'll, they'll actually end up buying a dog, you know? And for me, I don't want to have any dogs in the portfolio because it's like, and once, as you know, once you buy, once you buy a real estate property, you're typically taking over someone else's problems and you got to be willing to, to take on any future problems too. So right. those are the, those are the most common problems I see. Yeah, so either thinking about it too much or not thinking about it enough. Yes. Yeah, makes sense. All right, so what would you say is your, I mean, you've got your your why dialed in, you're a numbers guy, you've 
I'm, I'm thinking you've got some, some discipline from all your years in sports. What would you think is probably your biggest unfair advantage when it comes to real estate investing? Great question. You know, I think that it's important if, if anybody's ever been in business or been in the corporate world, you have to realize that you can't do this all yourself. And it's the people that try to be a lone wolf. Uh, they typically end up dying on their own sword. So a great book for people to dig into is, and something I recommend to people all the time is, you know, make sure you read the e-myth because people have to understand the key people that you need to have in your business. And you need to know, are you more the entrepreneur and the visionary and you're not the detail person? Or are you the detail person that can set up systems and manage people and projects? Or are you more like that hands-on person that swings, swings the hammers and you like that, or maybe maybe you need to make sure that you're not spending too much time on the hammers and the nails so you can make sure that you're running like a real business. So for me, I think it's just that awareness that I know that I'm, uh, I'm more the, uh, probably about 60% the manager leader. And, you know, I'm really good at uh, screening people and setting up systems and just running it like a business. But, you know, I just do have to have people in my wheelhouse that keep me, you know, with that, uh, that clear vision and also make sure that I have the right team members on my team. So just make sure that you're setting your business up like a really strong business is important too. You know, once you got the mindset down, then now it's now it's about the power team and setting up the proper way to be able to scale because you can't build something without a strong foundation, that's for sure. Perfect. Now getting back to kind of your your specialty all around mindset. So we've talked a little bit about the importance of really dialing in your why. What are some other mindset challenges that you see people having? You know, we talked about some people just analyze the hell out of everything. Other people don't think about it enough. They just fire off. What are some of the other big things that you see that may perhaps your clients that you've seen have challenges with mindset wise? Sure. I think, I think people need to, they they must, they feel that they need to wait for the the wind to be so big, you know, when, when it's worth popping a champagne bottle before they actually congratulate themselves and celebrate. I think if you, if you make celebration, something that's done even for the small things, then it just, it helps your confidence and that gives you better quality thoughts. And we have thousands of thoughts every single day. You know, we want to make our thoughts as positive as possible. So if you're not getting, if you're not getting the positivity from society, because who's kidding you, we're weird. You know, real estate investors are not typically normal people. We're a very small fraction of of North America or of the world, frankly, that invest in real estate. So it's really making sure that you are clear on your thoughts and your, um, you're being mindful, like you're, you're standing guard at the gate of your mind for what's going through your mind all the, all the time. And maybe it's also a little bit of planning. You know, people, uh, if they're not celebrating and watching their thought process, they're also not actually making time to think and plan on a weekly basis of like, you know, what is the highest and best use of my time? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, am I, what am I focused on, laser focused on this week? Great, and let's go execute. Because I mean, you and I, Dave, like you can remember when the cell phone used to actually be a phone. And now... Frankly, phones are super distractive. Even, you know, I was looking at, at this TV of mine. It's, it's a smart TV. So it's like, man, it, even our TVs are distracting now. So it's, it's really just making sure that people can be clear and focused and, you know, tuning out all the noise. Like there's oftentimes where I put my, put my phone on airplane mode and just get some deep work done, you know, because that's how it used to be. That's the way it used to be. Yeah, you are so right. We are so distracted these days. And I look at my kids and I don't think... Really, I don't think they can remember a time that they didn't have a device yes. in front of them, right? And and you're so right. I mean, I find myself, you know, I've I've tried, I don't even have a TV in the house. However, 
you know, that sounds cool, but your computer's the same thing nowadays, right? I mean, you can get everything yes. on the computer. And then having these damn things binging and dinging and all that sort of stuff, you're absolutely right. It's a matter of, you know, every once in a while, I just, I have to get away from the screens and just sit down with a pad of paper and a pen and do it old school. And that's, I find that very valuable. Awesome. Oh, that's, and that's, that's important because I, I think people don't realize the mind-body connection. You know, when you, when you type something on a computer or do this with your thumbs, you're actually not depositing very much into your brain or your nervous system or anything like that. But they used to call it a, you know, when people are writing a book, they used to call it a manuscript because it was, you know, handwritten. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, it really resonated with, with the person who was writing it. It just became part of them. You know, that's why journaling, getting out a pen and paper, you know, doing the old Benjamin Franklin method of pros and cons once in a while. I mean, it's just so important to do. You know, when you read a book, like literally just, you know, engage other senses as well, not just not just your ears, not just your eyes, but when you can actually engage your physical body, it's so much more important too. Very good. Exactly. So Corey, time flies when we're having fun. People it does. Find out more about Corey McKinnon. What should they do? Well, I'm pretty easy to find. You can Google me. You can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook. You can start to follow my YouTube channel. We're just going to start to blow that up here in the next couple months. I've got my own domain, so CoreyMcKinnon.com. You know, feel free to reach out. If I can ever help anybody on their journey, let me know. Awesome. Very good. Thank you, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Excellent, Dave. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Dot com. Take care.